The Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Good morning. You're listening to 3CR's Spoken Word, and my name is Alla Fanelska. My guest in the studio today is Amanda Anastasi. She is an exquisite poet who writes with immense skill and brevity. Her work has received much acclaim. She's been published both here and abroad, released a first collection in 2012, and been involved in collaborations such as Loop City and I'm That Woman. She is also a pianist. She is actively involved in the Melbourne poetry scene and melbournespokenword.com. She is also the convener of the revered quarterly poetry reading La Mama Poetica. little excerpt of Kleiner Ronde performed by the Alexander Pefkin Trio. I'd now like to welcome my delightful guest to Spoken Word, Amanda Anastasi. Good morning and welcome. Oh, thanks for having me, Ella. Thanks so much for coming in. I thought we'd just get straight into the poetry, actually. Um, could you please read us the confession? Okay. The rehearsals are over. The waiting room has been emptied. The flower-strewn teacups will not be served. Small talk will sit like vinegar on the lip. There will be no detour or bypass, no backspace, no delete. It will be a quick hurricane, this handful of syllables. The living room will fall silent. The ceiling will seem made of dust. The carpet will be turned over to reveal a mountain. There will be a parade and scrutiny of elephants. The butler to the masquerade will falter at the door. Watch the gates swing open. A scarlet innocent, a beating corpse. Sweep off the diversions. Look unblinking at the changed story. It is a slow arriving this one true pace before the other. It will feel as a startling modulation, a record playing backward to reveal angels. A new line will be added to the map beneath the eyes, a new string to the grit. Older yet younger, wiser yet clumsier, steel with frailty, at once clean, and standing resplendent in black, the truth. 
such a powerful poem, Amanda. Thank you. Do you feel comfortable telling us anything, anything you like about that? Like, and what did inspire you to come to writing that? I sort of, I wrote that at a sort of turning point in my life when I made a lot of um, sort of um, decisions that I was umming and ahhing about and I made some really strong decisions in my life um, and I made a big change in my life. So it's just about facing those truths in your life and um, just being honest with yourself and everyone around you. Mm. And sometimes it can be really jarring and frightening and um, but you just, you do it and your life changes and improves and... Um, yeah. I think the bravery of that really is what comes cr- across in that poem. Yeah. And, like, what do you think generally inspires you to write? Uh, it's usually an idea, a new idea, uh, something, a thought, uh, an image that captures my attention. Um, it's usually a combination of, you know, we all find these little we, we these little truths in life that we... We think, ah, oh, you know, that, that, that's caught my attention. But also I have a fascination with using language in new ways. So it's sort of my sort of um, f- obsession with language combined with my need to communicate um, something that I feel needs to be said. You know, when I feel something needs to be said or perhaps hasn't said quite in that way before, and then it's, the challenge is, is to use the best words to communicate that feeling or that idea. Yeah, so like your inner personal world and your inner personal experience of the world rather mm. than having um, predetermined themes that you want to explore. Right. Sometimes, look, occasionally I'll say I want to write about that. Those poems take a bit longer to write. But, you know, the ones that come spontaneously are usually the, the best ones. And um, But I generally also don't um, write a poem in one hit. So I'll, I'll have an idea, I'll, I'll, I'll write a few things and I'll leave it and I'll come back to it and I'll sort of mould it into what I feel it needs to be. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a process that you, you, can't, you can't think too much in the initial, you know, getting the idea on the page and then sort of sculpting it a bit afterwards to make it into something that people want to read, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Well, this leads perfectly into my question, which I would love your input on, is your personal experience with your writing process. Um, so is it something like, do you sort of wait to be inspired or do you take it more as a like a, a routine, like, no, I want to write this amount, this is where I'm, you know, working towards or this is a project that I'm doing? Um, and then my follow-up, so it's sort of a like three-parter. Do you really go, like prefer to, to write longhand, uh, go straight to the keys or do you write on your phone? Is there a bit of a combination yeah. of all? Oh, well, when I have an initial idea, I write it out longhand. Mm-hmm. Then when I start to see it forming as a poem, I write sort of the first draft of the poem on the keyboard, you know, on the computer. Um, and then I can sort of see it visually and it, it starts to make sense to me. But... Um, what was that initial question about your writing um, process? The writing process. Um, it's a mixture of the two. Usually, I wait for an idea to come, but if I haven't written in a while, or if I, you know, because I, look, I, I, I need a, I need more of a routine, really. Mm, mm. <laughs> you know, I sort of go, oh well, I feel, like, you know, there's something I want to express, and I'm going to do it now. But sometimes I'll sit there and go, okay, you haven't written in a while, just let's, let's get a few ideas down. So. Um, it's a mixture of the two. And also the reason I like to work on um, spoken word shows and collaborate with other people because it puts a bit of pressure on me to 
you know, you have to get it done by this date. Yeah, absolutely. And, and deadli- I really like deadlines and submission deadlines because then, you know, you know, I'll have to get this done by that. Sometimes it works, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. I'm not going to submit anything until it's ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be happy with it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes quite a few months before I can look at a poem and say, that's finished, I'm happy with it. <laughs> and sometimes I think that and, and I'll, I'll come back to it in a couple of months, I should not have submitted that, what was I thinking? Um, so I like to let it, the poem sit around for a mm-hmm. while, mm-hmm. come back to it with new eyes after I haven't seen it and then if I come back to it after not having looked at it and I still think that is finished, then I've convinced myself that it's all the best I could do on that piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And just like in sort of getting that initial, um, getting the process started, do you, it seems that you're more waiting for inspiration or do you aspire? I need something to work with, you know, so whether it's an image or, um, an observation, um, a feeling, a strong feeling that I feel like I really need to get this down somehow. It's really difficult when you're writing from a very personal space, which Mm. I've started doing, um, because of so many things that have happened in my life is that, um, you don't want to be trite. You don't want to, you don't want to, I don't like to be too heavy handed in my poems. I don't like the me, the poet, um, to be too present, um, and in the next poem I'm going to read, um, it's it's actually a poem about a kiss, but you never hear anything. The word kiss isn't used. Um, any element of the physical um, act of that is not there because um, it's about expressing it in a new way, in a different way, in a way that it hasn't before, it's especially if it's a subject that has been written about many times. You're thinking, how can I write about it in a way that is different and not really uh, predictable and all of those things. I think this isn't a lovely introduction, so please share with us now. The Kiss. I am frozen at five o'clock. A sealed door edges open. I am unshaded from the sun. I look, though it is through a squint. The street signs seem to point upward. The trees nod in soft, uncertain delay. The scent in the air has a strange twist. Time flickers with a new syncopation. This shiver is not caused by cold. These tears are not of grief. The sky is between us. The earth is beside us. In this silence, sirens. Amanda, who are your influences? So, like, who do, who do you read and, and who sort of inspires you? Um, well, as far as poets who aren't alive, um, probably Neruda, um, Yeats. Mm. I, you know, I read, I reread them a lot. Um, T.S. Eliot is probably my favourite poet. Um, and Sexton, um, there's so many. But as far as, you know, Melbourne poets... Um, I love the work of um, Ian McBride. I love the work of Gillian Pattinson. Um, Lynn Davidson, who's a New Zealand poet, I really love how she writes. Um, so there are many. It's hard to think of all of the, <laughs> the poets that I read, but they're the main ones that come to mind. Amanda will now share one of her recent poems. Okay, so this is called The First Moments of His Absence and it's one of my latest ones. It's actually going to be in Cordite 
um, the next Cordite issue, which is called The End. The theme is The End, Mm -hmm. and it will be out on the 1st of February, so look out for that online. The first moments of his absence. A radio tuned to static after Marla. A curtain opened to a suddenly blank scenery. The remaining stalk after the dandelion blow. The thick silence after a confession. A vital wire removed pre-explosion. The hollow letterbox, a cubic sneer. 88 keys unstruck. A dust cloak over a piano, still reverberating. The suspended anchor of a stationary ship. The unsaid thing, a moaning ghost. Also really powerful. I feel power in that. Would you like to share anything about that? That poem is about when someone you love, someone that is meaningful for you, um, suddenly must is gone um, and just that, that feeling of that person not being there and trying to explain that through a series of images. Mm. And that real ache and, yeah. Yeah, and capturing that in a really fresh way. You're listening to 3CR's Spoken Word. I'm Ella Fenelska, and you just heard an excerpt of It's My Life, performed by the Alexander Pefkin Trio. My guest in the studio today is Amanda Anastasi. Amanda, what are your writing aspirations for the future? Well, I just finished doing a Melbourne Fringe Festival show. Um, I am that woman with four other poets. So I had, you know, I just finished doing some spoken word. Um, I'm really feeling the pull toward the page at the moment. So I just want to lock myself up somewhere and 
just write some poems. Um, what do you think is inspiring this pool? To, for a, like, do you feel like it is in a really solitary? I think the way? nature of what I'm writing. I feel the there is a certain presence that a poet has on the page that is very different to the kind of presence that you have when you're on stage and they're both really effective. And um, the wonderful thing about doing spoken word is, first of all, you have to write in a way where you are writing to be listened to. And so you can't be too dense or too um, too layered because it, people are not going to really be able to digest, you know, what, what you're, you're offering poetically. So... Um, but sometimes some of the layers of the poetry are missed when you're mm. performing them. Mm-hmm. However, you get to feel that, that uh, you know, you have the audience in front of you and they are responding and you're seeing how they are responding, whereas you don't get that immediate contact with your audience on the page. It's sort of something that comes later. But um, people often tell me that when they read my poems on the page, um, they see things they didn't see when I perform them. But uh, And some poems are better suited um, for the page and what I'm writing at the moment I think just sits really well. Absolutely. Um, and I think way. like with the page there's also, um, I don't know about you, but like the aesthetic is really important as well and how it, like, yeah. how it looks. And there's and something more intimate about it. Mm-hmm. And you've got one person mm. who you're engaging with it. And, and, you know, the thing about picking up a book and, and opening it up and, you know, if you're sitting on a, on a train or in a park or whatever and you, you're reading this poem and... Um, it just speaks to you in a different way and it just um, – it's absorbed in a different way, mm. in a more um, – I don't know. I think the only way I can think of is, is intimate. It's, it's an intimate experience when you're reading the, a book. Yeah, it was a word that was popping into my mind too. So it's mm. nearly like do you feel that it's, your, it's a conversation, a poetic conversation you're having with one person rather than if you've written intentionally as a spoken yeah. word piece more to a crowded room? Yeah, and you don't know who your audience is and you don't know who's going to end up reading it. And that's the thing I love about online journals that sometimes pick up my work and, and publish it is that, you know, someone on the other side of the world can be reading your poem and, and just you're communicating with someone and, and, you know, and those things, you know, you've got a record of it that it can be picked up at some point and someone will enjoy it or, or connect with it. So speaking of the page, the next poem that you're going to share with us, The Page Turner, could you give us a little bit of context before you do? Okay, so if anyone doesn't know what a page turner is, it's the person that sits next to a pianist on stage who obviously has um, sheet music um, and the page turner is a person that turns a page so as not to disrupt the music. Um, And I'll read the poem, The Page Turner. Fingertips ready at the page tip with the vigilance of a physician. An executor of Chopin herself, she knows the crests and tides of the revolutionary. The falling notes adamantly rising, the clenched accents, the searing caudal surge, the eyes peeled to every bar's turn and rush. This is a matchless surveillance the precise wait for the second before the last descending semiquaver, the crucial bar before the page spin, then to keep from being astounded by the flashes of confoco, the simmering bass rumblings or the peripheral disturbance of a fly, a globe outage, a cough. It is a watchman's focus, a vital quiet hand. It is the making of a smooth wheel to be an assistant to the carrier of the brazen light. (laughs) 
We're now going to turn back a little bit to Amanda's first collection called 2012 and Other Poems. Um, This is just an absolutely wonderful collection which I took away with me when I was overseas and and I actually did read it in the bathtub. Um, (laughs) As advised on the back by Santa. Yeah, which I I didn't realise until after (laughs) I'd done it and so that was so lovely. And um, I've got so many different poems marked and folded over and it's dog-eared and really well loved. But um, it was so hard to choose um, my favourite poems for Amanda to read so I'm going to leave it over to her to share um, one or two and um yeah we'll see um how we go okay I, th- I think we'll go with christmas rush because um christmas is just um over and um i think a lot of people will have observed these particular things so this is christmas rush from 2012 and other poems crawling cars in packed parking lots awaiting the brows of fluorescent aisles of essential unnecessaries the greetings of painted salesgirls fluting Merry Christmas like beeping barcodes over scanners. Bing Crosby crooning nostalgia to women dipping tired fingers into thinning purses. The echo of heels clicking and the slick roll of stroller wheels over glossy floors. Children lost among busy legs and labelled bags, price queries, women's wails of recognition. What a small world, they say. No, I want to say, it is a large world, but we make it small. So Amanda, where can people get a copy of 2012? Well, there aren't many copies left because I I self-published this, so um, it's on its last run. Um, But you can get it online on Amazon.com and Lulu.com. So yeah, just find it online if... um, you really would like to get a poem. I think I've got two left oh, on me. Yeah. Oh, on you. Okay. I'm on to the next thing. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, excellent. So, Amanda, like you've worked, you work individually and you've worked collaboratively, namely on um, the shows Loop City and the most recently I'm That Woman. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the experience of working collaboratively as opposed to writing um, alone? Um, I find that when I'm writing for a show, I am writing in response and in the context of what the other person is writing. So it can sometimes be a sort of a responsiveness to one of the – well, when I was working on Loop City, I was working with Steve Smart. So we would write on our own and then once I read his poems, I'd then write some poems in response. We wrote a few poems together, um, which worked really well. Um, I really got my comic side out. <laughs> Can I ask you, so, how does that work? How does that work, writing a poem together? Like, are you in well, the we same Well, con- we have a concept. Um, yes, and some of it was done via email. So we were sort of, you know, just sending lines one after the other to each other because it was a concept um, of um, – it was sort of an ad catchphrase, humorous poem. We were just, you know, back and forth, back and forth. So it was a kind of poem where we could do that. Um, for I Am That Woman – which was my recent uh, Fringe Festival show that I worked on with Vicky Mealings, Elizabeth um, Lish-Skeck, Jax Brown and Lana Wolfe. Um, we all wrote individually and then we, we sort of saw how our poems could form a narrative and, and um, it was also a music, it was a spoken word and music show. So we had, you know, we were using, again, combining the two. Um, but it, it's, it's a wonderful experience. It does put a bit of pressure on you. You don't want to let the other writers down, the other performers down. You need to bring something to the table that's going to work. 
So, but I, I tend to work pretty well under pressure. I like that the challenge. I'm always looking for a new challenge. Um, and they're lovely people. You have to get along with the people you're working mm. with. It's so important, you know. Um, and we did get along and, you know, so many different personalities and I am that woman, but we had a, a, the same vision and it worked really well. I think the differences in style and personality work beautifully when you're doing, you know, an hour-long show or, you know, that's about as long as the shows are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just so um, oh, I really enjoyed it. I don't, I don't know whether I'll do another one um for a while I want to really just focus on my own poetry could you read us um the poem chores to be completed before breakfast which was a part of um I am that woman okay chores to be completed before breakfast vacuum up your niggling doubts run a finger through the dust of your conclusions paint the walls a vulgar color Scrub up your curiosity. Leave the cobwebs on the walls rather than in your thinking. Remove the streaks of expectation from the windows. Rewrite your mother's recipes. Let your wall hangings remain slightly crooked. Answer the door readily to a stranger. Answer the phone and say, I am not home. Invent a word and drop it in every conversation. Hang your trepidation in a locked closet. Polish up your resolve. Mm. I don't want to use the word powerful again, but it really <laughs> is. It kind of grabs me by the throat. Is there something like yeah. that you want to say about what's behind this poem? Oh well, it's a you know it's a it's a list poem. I just liked using the. Because it's a poem about women and women, you know, liberating themselves and, you know, using the imagery of the household chores, but making it about, you know, freedom and and, and being strong and courageous. And um, I just like that juxtaposition. Yeah. And, and again, like that bravery, but the sort of bravery to be able to change. Yeah. Yeah. Change is a huge problem for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's one of the hardest things that, yeah, yeah, we seem to be adverse to change, whether it be, you know, changing the way we, we do business to, you know, climate change and, you know, green energy and all those things. And it's just personal change, you know. People are just get into their little patterns and, and um, comfort zones. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I think that it's really depicted um, quite strongly in this piece. Amanda Anastasi has been my guest on today's program. Amanda, I'd like to thank you so sincerely for coming in and sharing your poetic life and just lots of personal insights and people getting to know more a little bit about you behind the poet on the on the stage and the page and um, yeah You're they can welcome. yeah find out more about you by looking up your website just yeah it's you. um yeah. it's our poetry that's a h poetry uh, dot wordpress dot com. Um, or just Google me, mm. you know, Google I Am That Woman, Amanda Anasasi. And, um, yeah, thank you for having me, Ella. You're very welcome. I strongly encourage that you do do that. You've been listening to Spoken Word on 3CR. You can catch us every Thursday at 9am. If you are keen to hear some live poetry in Melbourne, jump online and look up melbournespokenword.com. Under events, you will find all the minute details of where and when. I'm Ella Fanelska. Look forward to your company next time.
A quick word about the live poetry gigs in Melbourne. The Dan O'Connell Hotel in Carlton has poetry on every Saturday afternoon and Passionate Tongues is at the Brunswick Hotel every second Monday night. Westward happens out at the Dancing Dog Cafe in Footscray twice a month on Sunday afternoons. Voices in the Attic is run fortnightly on Tuesday evenings at 30 Dirk, Level 1 and 2, 239 Lonsdale Street. The House of Bricks, on or near the last day of every month, run by our very own Santo Katsati, that's me, corner of Bud and Keel Streets, Collingwood. Melbourne Poets Union is usually on the last Wednesday of the month at the Wheeler Centre. All of these gigs have open mics if you'd like to try your hand at sharing your work, or you can just go to listen. Check out the website, melbournespokenword.com, to find out more about the scene.